0: Welcome to the family with
1: Doug Sprinthal
0: and Andy ramp We'll be right back. Special uh, guest coming on this first hour. It's got to be interesting. Jai for Sheriff Jai Hansen. Uh, he's running for Henneman County Sheriff. As you know, Hutch and I talked several times in the KQ Morning Show, and I thought the world of the guy... Um, made a couple of mistakes he shouldn't have made, I understand, but uh, we'll talk to uh, Jai about that very thing. And uh, He grew up in South Minneapolis, just a few miles from George Floyd Square, as a matter of fact. We will be right back with Jai Hansen right after this.
2: Dougie, Doug.
0: Walzer Automotive Group, walzer.com. Is that what you need?
2: Yeah, I was just waiting
1: for the lead-in. You know, I don't want to mess with tradition.
0: Okay, here's that pain-in-the-ass Doug Sprenthal.
1: thank you you. so much for that introduction um i (laughs) (laughs) just wanted to talk for a minute about uh walzer care which is a 10-year 150,000 mile powertrain warranty and it comes absolutely free on every new vehicle you buy in minnesota and about 70 or 80 percent of the used cars that we sell as well it includes roadside assistance so sorry about that if you lock your keys in your car or run out of gas or something, you are covered for 10 years and 150,000 miles. For more information, you can go to, tell them, Tom.
0: Walzer Automotive Group, Walzer.com. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean
1: Bryant, what's the latest? Uh, we're just trying to represent people who've been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries.
0: And plus the fact I hang out with you, so you gotta be a good guy (laughs) if I'm hanging out
1: with you. Maybe.
0: (laughs) Uh, Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Listen to that, man. That's pretty triple music we got going right there, baby. Sure
3: is. Let me know when Jai's ready to go, all right? He is, as is Gelfand. Oh,
0: he is already. J-A-I, Jai4Sheriff. It's J-A-I, the numeral 4Sheriff.com. Jai, how you doing?
4: Tom, thanks for having me on.
0: It's a pleasure to have you on. As you know, I'm really anti-law enforcement in the police department, <laughs> as you... Might be Yeah,
4: I'm ready for this aggressive interview. The
0: aggressive interview. Now, I love cops. I've always loved cops. I understand that just like all other human beings, there are bad cops, good cops, there are really decent people and some not-so-decent people just like all the rest of us. Absolutely. So uh, I never did it, although I don't understand, Jai, the way things go now because I I talked about this yesterday a bit, and I'll say it again, Mm -hmm. that that let's say you don't like uh, a guy named Tim. Okay, so we're going to go after him. We're going to cancel Tim. We're going to destroy Tim. At the same time, you're destroying Tim, Tim's wife, Tim's husband, Tim's sons, Tim's daughters, the grandkids, the rest of it. Why don't people understand the harm they're doing by going after individuals, the police department? How do they even think that? They're not even thinking it through, are they, Jai? I
4: don't think so. That's just the climate we're in right now. and it's continued to go this way. And I blame the politicians for that. A lot of that, yep. you know, you can add the media for that as well, but uh, this is what gets ratings watching a community burn. Uh, yep. You know, this is not what I want our state to be known for. And that's what it's known for right now.
0: What well, is it? No question. I, and also I, I'm sure you know this anyway, but for the listeners sake, uh, I got to know Hutch pretty well. Not that we became best friends or anything, but I got to know him pretty well because he called into the morning show a couple of times or, or a few times, actually. I thought he was a very nice man. I mean, we all do uh, make mistakes and all the rest of it, but I just would like to make make it very clear that I wish Hutch nothing but the best. He was uh, a great guy to deal with. and But I've never made a mistake in my life, Jai. I want you to know right. that. It's never happened.
4: Yeah. Well, you know, people want to talk about uh, the uh, – Sad situation that he had in December and uh, you know what I say the reason why I'm running is not because of that I'm running for the errors that happened before that, and, yeah, uh, I understand. you know, I called I called the sheriff uh, before I announced And we have a lot of friends in common. He is sure. a good person. And I said, we just have a fundamental difference on how we want to achieve our goals. And that's why I'm running. So I do wish him the best in his situation.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a little background on Jai Hanson. I grew up in South Minneapolis, just a few miles from George Floyd Square, and I'm proud to call Hennepin County my home. I'm Jai Hanson. I'm an independent running uh, to be your next Hennepin County Sheriff. Born in India, adopted and brought to Minneapolis when I was just two years old. My parents instilled in me the value of public service. My dad is a judge in the Minnesota Supreme Court. My mom working as a state employee and educator and a dedicated nonprofit community advocate. Went to college in Chicago. You didn't have any fun going to college in Chicago, did you there, Jai? (laughs) That's a great city. (laughs) Oh, I love Chicago. It's a great place. But, Jai, just a quick question that doesn't mean anything, but how tall are you?
4: I'm uh, 5'11", foot, depending on uh, the shoes.
0: Because I, I don't know if I'd want to tangle with you, Jai. I'm just on oh, wouldn't with Hutch either. He's a big fella yeah. as well. Yeah. And I've—I've uh, I've been off and on my whole life uh, too. But uh, you look like you could carry carry a big stick, as they say, which works for me.
4: Yeah, you know, um, I, I have—I uh, haven't lost too many fights, but I'll tell you this. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you this. Uh, you know. The reason why I'm running is not to be a bully or to get out there with a big stick, because uh, we need somebody that can advocate for the victims and the people that are having trauma right now. And so I don't come from a a view of, hey, we're going to just bulldoze our way through this. Uh, It's more of uh, somebody needs to advocate for the uh, people that don't have anybody doing that right now. And uh, I'm going to stick it for those folks.
0: CJ I think that's that's what it's all about for me. Uh, I saw your name on the docket today and went oh this uh, this is going to be great. Uh, mm-hmm. as I said a very quick background for people maybe tuning in for the first time. I was I was born in Long Prairie, Minnesota but moved to North Minneapolis. We- well actually we moved to Spruce Place and uh, right across from Loring Park for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. From 2 to 4 and then we moved to North Minneapolis where I grew up. Uh, not exactly the most even keel place we've talked many times on the air about very close friends either being killed or killing someone else or going to prison. I've been to, up to the prison system several times, visiting old friends, all the rest of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been uh, one time, One, I have been pulled over like everybody else, but one time walking down the street at about 5 o'clock in the morning on a summer day, I was with another guy, and a cop pulled over and said, you know, what are you guys doing? Because, you know, you're walking down the street at 5 o'clock in the morning in North Minneapolis. They're going to want to know what you're doing. And my friend lipped off to the cop. And the cop got out of the car and he said, what do you want to be, act like that for? And my friend just went. Now, I should mention my friend had just gotten back from Vietnam where he was a minigunner in Vietnam. So he had a little mm-hmm. attitude. There's no doubt about that. And the only yeah. reason I bring this up, Jai, is, that, is the fact that uh, even the sergeant came across. Uh, it was right there on, on 26th Street in Queen, right in front of St. Ann's School. And the precinct used to be. I don't know. I don't think it's there anymore, but it used to be. Well, I know it's down. On, did they close down Plymouth Avenue now, too, or is that still open?
4: Uh, the Plymouth Avenue one, I believe that's more of a training facility now. That's what I thought. If, if, yeah. If, yeah. Yeah, but
0: uh, the one the, there used to be a police uh, station right across from St. Anne's on 26th Avenue North. And the reason mm-hmm. I'm telling this story is because it's my experience in life. So two, three cops grabbed him and two, three cops grabbed me and went in a little alcove over that St. Anne's. And I could hear some noise. And the sergeant said, to, uh, Tom... Uh, I want you to know something, that that if you cooperate, this is going to go very well for you, and if you don't cooperate, it's not going to go well for you at all. They gave me the option, and me being a little smarter than some people, I said, what do you need? And he goes, what are you guys up to? And I said, we're just kind of walking. He just got back from Vietnam, and blah, blah, blah. He's just walking around the neighborhood, familiarizing himself with the neighborhood again. And uh, I will never forget that, because at the time, I was probably, let's see, Roy was two, three years older than me, so I was probably 16 or 17. The one time that uh, the cops could have taken me in that alcove and just pounded me, they didn't do it. I've never been arrested. I've been pulled over. Uh, that little discussion with the police, I was never arrested there. They said, we could arrest you for, lur- arrest you for lurking, you know. And I said, what is that? Because <laughs> I had no idea what lurking even was. But my, but my experience in a pretty rough neighborhood, that's ah, beyond pretty rough, it's so a very rough neighborhood. With the cops was always good. They were always there to help, and at at the the least, at the worst, they gave you an option. You can take it this way, or you can take it the other way. It's up to you. That's why I love cops so much. My uh, my mother's cousin, my my second cousin, Lamont Dean, was a detective on the Minneapolis Police Force. Always a wonderful guy. The first toys I ever got, uh, you know, after my father left and we were penniless were from the fraternal order of police the fop used to deliver tonka trucks to kids that's why i love cops jai and i always will that's i just want to let people know that
4: so sorry yeah, and, i'll get out of your way and, and tom i'll tell you this i think the i really believe this the majority of cops in our state and across this country are doing this job for the right reasons Yep. Uh, the there are people that we need to get out of this profession and I'm all mm-hmm. for that and we will focus on doing that but uh, to villainize vilify all these officers uh, is not appropriate and we need mm-hmm. somebody that's just going to stand up and champion for those guys and those those gals and and uh, make sure they have a voice not only at the you know local level and the county level but at You know, advocating at the state level in St. Paul and making sure we have the proper reform that will get things done, and not just knee jerk with what the you know agitators and the activists want to get done.
0: Yeah, it's boy, I tell you, we we uh, I looked at some of the headlines this morning because I read the news on the KQ Morning Show every morning, and the headlines right now are basically, well, it was a perfect day, perfect political balance day because. Uh, I tend to be a centrist, by the way. I've been a Democrat and I've been a Republican, and I like it kind of in the center here. And here's why. Because I, I went to the – well, it used to be called the wire. I just went to the news sites this morning and looked at them. And uh, all of these states now, these very blue states of New York, Illinois, um, we got California, you got Washington, you got Oregon, New Jersey, Delaware. There's a couple more. Uh, They're all going to lift the mass mandates. has nothing, of course, to do with those midterm elections coming up. It was a move for votes, and there's no question about that. And then by the same token, that Marjorie Green, whatever her name is, Marjorie something Green? Uh, Taylor
4: Green, I think. Marjorie Taylor Green. Did you hear what she she said last night? I I did not.
0: She said, and I quote, uh, Nancy Pelosi's gazpacho police. Yeah. I don't get it. She said gazpacho, not Gestapo. Oh.
3: <laughs> yeah.
2: huh.
3: The soup Nazis. Yeah, there you go.
0: <laughs> the soup Nazis. So so uh, on one side we got people out there, you know, throwing the rules aside to get voted on, and the other one doesn't know how to speak English. So, you know, great choice we've got here. I feel trapped yeah, in the middle.
4: You know, and that just shows you the politicians. We have one of our own in our in our, um, in our our county, uh, Ilhan Omar, that's her rhetoric is, is yes. uh, fueling the fire and it's not helping either side and it's not right. helping her constituents either. And, um, you know, that's somebody that I have uh, concern about <laughs> putting it lightly. Right. And, uh, you know, she, she really needs to help her constituents right now with, uh, the city is, uh, struggling as you know. Um, and uh, we need to figure out how to, how to rein her in and, and make sure we have politicians that are using language that can help, help fix this and be a part of the solution and not part of the problem. Well, and again, you, she
0: collected $12 million from different efforts, and apparently America still sucks. You give me 12000000 yeah. million, I'll praise America all day long, Jai. <laughs> I'll yeah. tell you that. Well,
4: You know, you talk about being a centrist and I, you know, I'm running as an independent and I'm very vocal about that and not uh, taking any endorsements from any political party. And the reason is because if we want to fix this public safety, we need to uh, work with both sides of the aisle to get this done. You know, a quick story. I had a I had a guy reach out to me. He's in his early 60s. We sit down. He's now part of my team, but we sit down and he he grew up on the north side. And right away, when we sat down, he says, "I just want to let you know I'm DFL." I said, "That's fine. You know, I want to, yeah, I want to talk fine. to you." And and he he's talking, and I said, "What what brought you to my campaign or our campaign and our messaging?" And he says, "You talk about trauma. You know, you remember the the riots in '67 on Plymouth? Oh yeah. You oh, remember 1969? Yeah. Uh, he was eight years old." Uh, his family had a market on, over on uh, Glenwood and Morgan, and oh, uh, yep. he was in there with his uncle Boris. And uh, 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 his dad got shot and killed, and he was eight years old. And he still lives with those scars. And uh, I remember it. Do you, yeah. So so it's it's one of those where you know I'm I'm getting people from both sides of the aisle that understand public safety and understand that we need to help the people that are facing this trauma. They're lost in this political war that's going on at, in the, at the Capitol and across our country. And uh, we're going to bring it back to them and focus on them. And that's where I get my passion.
0: See, that's wonderful. I mean, there, there are different people out there doing different things. And I think, and I'm, if I remember correctly, I might not be remembering this correctly, but his uncle Boris went to school with me.
4: I think yeah, he Uncle was, Boris He graduated was... in '69, I believe, yep. uh, as yep. a senior. Yeah.
0: Okay, I want to say something, but I, I don't know if I could use this word in front of you because you're running for sheriff. So, so I, I will. I will say, "Fick." That's what I'll say. F-I-K. Fick. <laughs> Boris arrived from. What is he from? Panama, I think. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, he's from Panama. Yeah, I went to. I went to high school with Boris. Very nice guy, but. <laughs> We're in health class, and that was back when they put the reels on the projector. I mean, they actually put the reels of film on the projector and ran it up on the screen.
2: Yeah.
0: And we're watching it, and it was pretty blurry, and he didn't holler F-I-K-E. He hollered another one, but he was trying to say focus, only he kept saying ficus, ficus, <laughs> only he didn't say ficus. <laughs> yeah. I will never forget Boris doing that. See, this is a, a great thing, Jai. You've already talked to me about somebody I know. I haven't seen Boris now probably since we got out of high school, but I'll never forget him. He's a hell of yeah. a good guy, and I know that market very, very well. Uh, just, yeah, do you remember
4: the the shooting?
0: I do. I absolutely yeah. do. And, Boris was and, you a know, so great. You guy.
4: remember that shooting, and that was fifty three years ago. And, well, I'm a little know, older, you know.
0: Yeah.
4: Well, this is this is you know the the person that reached out to me that's working with me now, Richard. Um, I'm so happy that he joined our team because, you know, we need people from both sides and these he aligns exactly with what I'm trying to accomplish. I mean, the, the victims, the trauma, we have several people on our team that uh, directly um, affected by, you know, shootings that have been shot themselves. And um, that's what we need to, you know, we really need to come back to when it comes to public safety.
0: Yeah, no question about. It. I want to introduce you to Mike Gelthen is with us. He's on the phone because Mike is kind of lazy, I think is the problem. Yeah. Is that what it is, Mike? What's that? Kind of what? I said you're kind of lazy. Is that that's why you don't come in the studio. Oh, I, oh, I thought
5: you said crazy.
0: Well, I did. Well, they said that too. You are crazy too. That's absolutely Crazy right,
5: is uh, lazy is what I'm aiming for.
0: But, well, I'm glad yeah, to hear that. Kind of lazy. Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll,
5: I'm going to go along with that just, you know, for the sake of Okay, the conversation. Well,
0: well, I wanted to introduce the, the two of you because I, I just – my dream, by the way, Jai and Mike and, and you know, Dougie and Andy, my dream is that someday the vo- voters will wise up and go 50-50. Okay, this half is Democrat and this half is Republican. All you get together and work it out, otherwise you're going to have to go. I wish we could focus on getting both sides' opinion, electing both sides, and let's move forward. Or wouldn't we get anything done then?
5: Well, some well, people I'm, think that not getting anything done would, would actually be the best-case scenario. Right, right.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I'm sick of the, the politicians that only come around every four years. And, uh, you know, that, that's something that needs to end, and we need to be more transparent, and I know that's a buzzword and I'm annoyed with it, but it's true. Um, you know, we talk about this no-knock warrant or other issues. We, the days of no comment are over.
3: We have yeah, a to. couple questions from the gallery if you uh, would like to take them. take them. John, you want to take some questions? Absolutely. Well, first, Officer Dave would like to know your law enforcement background.
4: Uh, Thanks for the question. I've been in law enforcement now for 15 years. I started my career in the city of Lakeville. I was there for about seven years, then moved up and currently with the city of Bloomington. uh, And I am assigned to, it's called the South Loop Unit, which entails the Mall of America and all the hotels around there. And uh, the mall is the city within itself. Mm -hmm. So it's been a pretty fun assignment to have. And then we
3: have Polly on the phone with another question.
4: Polly, question for Jai.
3: Polly. Well, we had Polly on the phone. Oh, I think he might have uh might have dropped, but that is okay because I know his question. Uh he wants to know what you think about whiskey
4: plates and what purpose do they serve. Well, initially whiskey plates uh <laughs> were deemed unconstitutional by the state of Minnesota when it comes to the reasoning for them. They were, they were allowed. If, if you were going to have whiskey plates, you were signing saying that uh, uh, this is how you're going to be able to get your license back and we could pull you over the state of Minnesota Supreme court stated that that's unconstitutional just to pull people over for that reason alone. Um, so as far as whiskey plates go, that's something on the state level that they need to figure out. Well, Polly is on the
3: line. Is that a satisfactory answer for you?
6: Well, yeah, but there's other things too that people get pulled over for. I mean, I I don't want to go too far here, but people get pulled over for having, a, you know, air freshener hanging from their from yeah. their, their or something like that. What do you think about those kinds of things where they escalate and they get um, out of hand quickly?
4: Well, I think this goes back to the story that Tom was saying earlier on about, uh, you know, he, he got a warning when he when he maybe, you know, couldn't have got one. We need to be able to educate our officers on why you're making a stop if you're making a stop for a a suspended object from your mirror why are you doing that or if you have a license plate light out or a tail light out but that's something that's gonna right now it is law to be able to do that that's something at the state level in in st paul that they have to hash out to figure out if that's something that we're gonna um, be able to continue to do Okay, good answer. Um,
2: but
6: would you tell, would you tell your officers to take discretion, like if they were to start fighting over something, just to let it go? I mean, I know there's a lot of things, a lot of other factors involved of that, but
2: yeah,
6: it
4: seems that there's a lot of that going on.
6: I mean, a lot of it doesn't make the news, but
2: I hear yeah, probably. If you're days. if you're
4: talking about you know a situation like the Dante Wright situation, uh, where you know he was stopped for expired tabs and and suspended object here's my concern with that when we stop somebody and we know that they have a warrant it's it's a court order that we have to arrest on a warrant that is signed by a judge when you have the attorney general keith ellison and you have the state uh having um expert witness take the stand on their behalf and saying uh the officers should have let dante wright go because they knew who he was and they could get him later. Well, that's in violation of what the judge just signed. So we need clarification on the state level from the attorney general and the, in the Minnesota Supreme court saying, how would you like officers to proceed on this? Do you want us to have discretion and ignore uh, a signed court document by a judge, or do we enforce the law that's on the books right now?
3: That is interesting because it's a very pertinent fact that I that had never not. heard
4: before. It's, it's true though, honest, I mean, I have you remember. have the <laughs> state uh, bringing on an expert witness saying they should have let him go. Well, it's not that simple. It, you know, and that's where you need to give direction to the officers in this state, and that's for the uh, Attorney General, and that's for this uh, Supreme Court of Minnesota to tell us, what, how would you like us to proceed? Do you want us to enforce the law, or do you not want us to enforce the law? Uh, thank, thank you so much.
6: That's I don't know about earlier, but that, that's the most honest answer I've ever heard. So, Thanks. thank
0: you very much. Well, Jai, be careful. Don't be honest. What are you doing if you're running for an office, or you know, you can't be telling well, the truth,
4: can you? Well, I've already had. You know, if you go to my <laughs> website, Jai for Sheriff. I have initiatives on there what I want to do. And I've had people reach out to me already and say, stop putting initiatives out there, people are going to steal them. And, and <laughs> you know, you know, for that, you know, I say, hey, if it helps our county, that's great. But we need to have some ideas out here. And I'm not a career politician. I'm upset with how things have been going and trending. And we need to fix this. And I don't plan on being a career politician. This isn't I've had other people say to me. Uh, what office are you going to run for after this? And I look at them like they're crazy, but that's how bad our swamp is politically right now. Right.
0: No, you're absolutely right about that. We need to take a quick break. You can stay with us another 15, 20 minutes, Jai.
4: Absolutely. Thanks.
0: We'll be right back in a couple of minutes. The 2022 Bloomington Boat Show is here and going on now. Get out of the cold and into a 25,000-square-foot heated showroom at Dan's Southside Marine. A huge inventory of boats means the best deals of the year. Get the boat you want rigged the way you wanted it. Over 60 boats on display from Premier, Avalon, Berkshire, Alumacraft, and more. Ask about the new Alumacraft Competitor FSX, the best new fish ski crossover on the market. See the premier revolution featuring first-of-its-kind rotational seating or Avalon's new electric VRB, all rigged with motors from Suzuki. Shop a huge inventory of boats inside a heated 25,000-square-foot showroom. The Bloomington Boat Show at Dan's Southside Marine. Factory reps will be there, too. Bring the family and explore what's new for 2022 at the Bloomington Boat Show at Dan Southside Marine. Located just six blocks west of 35W on 98th Street in Bloomington, visit bloomingtonboatshow.com.
6: We've been so long, so long.
0: We are back, ladies and gentlemen, having a great conversation about very important things like law enforcement in Hennepin County and, of course, all around the entire metro area. Some great questions asked. Jai Hansen with us. Um, Dougie Sprinthal, do you have any questions? You've been kind of silenced. So I do.
1: Well, it's I been, so. you guys, uh, you, you don't need my help, but this is you're going to find this interesting. So I was watching Apple Plus the other night and it was a documentary about music in nineteen seventy-one. And I'm you know, it's when I came of age, so it was fascinating. But one of the clips it started to get into protest stuff, and they were talking about Gil Scott Heron, and he wrote a song in nineteen seventy one I'd never heard before, and it was called No Knock. So fifty years later in Minneapolis, we're still going through the same thing i I'd right. be curious, and I'm, I, I'm not asking this to be difficult, but what is your position on no-knock warrants? I mean, it's been all over the news in the last week, and, it, and I, I, know, I know it's a really hot topic, but I, I'd be interested to hear what you have to say.
4: Yeah, thank you for the question. I would say this with uh, no-knock warrants. As far as a county level, you have with the Hennepin County Sheriff's Office, you have task force like the Violent Offender Task Force. Uh, that go out and get bad dudes all day long. And with that, we need to have the ability to have no-knock warrants. We cannot uh, ban them fully. Now, I am all for limiting no-knock warrants and being very uh, aggressive in how we limit them. I think we need to look at how they're being signed, whether that means... Uh, checks and balances, where we're going to have two judges sign off on it, or um, you know, chiefs need to sign off it on on that as well. Uh, and also, we need to look at Minneapolis's Minneapolis PD's history of no knock warrants. So uh, that's my stance on it. I am I am uh, comfortable with limiting them drastically. However, we do need to have the ability to have it for safety of all involved
1: all right i appreciate your answer and i guess i think i'm kind of on the same page as you i'm not so naive to think that there aren't really evil people out there and to not have that tool would be uh would really be tough for the cops on the mm-hmm. other hand like me like everybody else watch that video and you try to imagine Okay if you're twenty one years old and there's all this screaming at five in the morning and you've got a gun, what would you do i, I don't know it, it's a tough, it's a
4: tough deal I absolutely agree with you on that, and when I watch that video um i have I have some concerns about that and concerns about why that warrant on this incident was signed off on uh That's something that needs to be examined. The tactics of the officers. Look, the fact is, somebody had uh, Mr. Uh, Locke had a, had a gun, and those are split-second decisions you have to make. Now, when it comes to the leadership of Minneapolis PD, uh, they need to be held accountable. And I have no idea how you can watch the video, explain to the community what the video is going to show, and then release the video the next day, and it doesn't uh, match up with what you told them the day before. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jai,
1: I, I, Jai, I have some really bad news for you. You're never going to make it in politics because you can't answer questions clearly
4: and succeed. <laughs> well, look, I want to I have no aspirations to continue in politics. But what I do want to do is fix our county. We need our we need our county to succeed if we're going to have our state succeed. And we're we're three years removed from the Super Bowl. Uh two years removed from the final four or so, something like that, but we're never gonna have the national stage again uh unless we can figure this out and help these victims right. but but you know for me um the interim chief in Minneapolis right now to get it that wrong uh is 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 alarming to me, and then to have a press conference hijack the way it is. Is not acceptable. Yeah, that makes total sense. Can I
1: ask? Can I ask a follow-up question? Yeah, and
4: absolutely. this is just
1: just your opinion. Why do you think Arredondo resigned? I mean, had he just had enough? I, you know, he 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 led through really really difficult times, but I think he had a lot of respect both of the citizen citizenry and a lot of the uh, the people in the department.
4: Yeah, I think he honestly, it's it's. Just this simple. I think he put in his 30 something years and he was ready to go. I I don't think it's a political answer. I think it's just one of those where he's ready to move on in life and he's uh, earned that tenfold.
0: Yeah, I mean, plus the fact the mayor is really boring, so that might be part of it too.
5: (laughs) Well, let me ask a couple quick questions here. Sort of follow up questions. Love it. The, the, The first is, What are we to make, those of us who are just reading about this in the paper, uh, watching the TV reports, what are we to make of the fact that St. Paul police haven't had a no-knock situation since, what, 2015? And things seem to have gone pretty smoothly. When we see that statistic, how are we to not think that these no-knock warrants do far more harm than they do good and that why wouldn't we think that the minneapolis police then could do without them too
4: you you bring a really valid point and here we are again talking about minneapolis police and and what happened with them and there's some really really good officers over there but again it goes to leadership and, and what decisions are being made and what has been signed off on. And uh, the leadership in St. Paul it has been great as well uh, with uh, Chief Axtell. But uh, this needs to be examined. I'm just, I am just don't want the door fully closed on it. That's all I am saying with mm-hmm. it. Uh, we need to have the ability to answer to it. But I think something else that people aren't talking about and we're kind of spinning our tires on on an issue like this, is because Minneapolis police are under investigation by the Department of Justice anyways. And they're gonna come down and they're gonna give them sanctions and they're gonna be under a consent decree. So uh, do you think Minneapolis PD will be doing no-knock warrants when the Department of Justice uh, finishes their their investigation? I'm willing to bet no.
5: There's a lot of things they've done that we never thought they would do. So, I don't really know how to answer that. But the second question is something that you alluded to and you're actually the first person, the first person I've heard allude to this other than my maybe my friends and I, which is the the question of the the judicial role in these no-knock warrants. I mean, typically it seems the police and I, what I I was a journalist going back to the back to the late 60s. So, I know how it works. Um the uh, the cops know that there is there there's a, a cop or two or a judge or two or three who's going to sign off on any warrant. And is and it kind I kind of thought I kind of inferred from in what you were saying that well, maybe that's the system we have today and maybe that needs to change.
4: Yeah, the judicial review needs to be analyzed. Uh and that's why I say, to your point, you, you kind of knew which judges would sign off on that and you would go right to them. Well, right. those days need to be over. And that's my idea of doing uh, we need to have two judges sign off. And mm-hmm. if you really want to be uh, transparent parent with this and uh, really fix this, one of those judges should be one of the seven justices on the Minnesota Supreme Court. And mm-hmm. if you really want to limit how many no-knock warrants are going to happen in our states, one of those justices need to be on call every day. All
0: right. Yeah, that's great. Isn't that one? I, I like the honesty, Jay. I'll tell you that. I, I really do. It's, it's a tough job. I mean, you do know how hard that job is, I'm hoping.
4: <laughs> well, I know we're it, it will be a hard job, but I think we need oh, somebody yeah. <laughs> in in that position that uh, can articulate the their ideas of what they want to do. And Tom, I you know, talking to people on the north side or talking to people in in Mound, they want the same thing. They wanna they want safety, and and we can we can. Enforce the laws that we have on the book right now. That's what we can do day one, but we we need to get out there. We have, you know, there's about 340 sworn deputies with the Hennepin County Sheriff's office. We need to start doing more patrolling. We need to have them do more targeted enforcement uh, that can help ease this pressure off the Minneapolis police. And I don't mean having the sheriff's office take 911 calls, but I do mean assisting not only Minneapolis, but other cities and other agencies uh, to help with this carjacking or homicides or shootings or break-ins. Whatever we need to do to assist, that's what a sheriff's office is there for.
0: Do we still have, I don't know, at one time, it was many, many years ago, do we still have neighborhood groups that maybe sit down with the with the county sheriff once in a while and talk about, look, a good example of what I'm talking about is you. you brought up Boris and his family. And a lot of times when I talk about this, that, and the other thing, whether I, I, you know, knew somebody that killed somebody, or somebody got killed, or somebody that killed themselves, or so, you know, the, all this violence and all the rest of it, people go, "Oh, you're you're exaggerating that. That, that. You didn't know all that. You didn't see all that." Well, no, it was just a coincidence. I didn't know you were going to bring up Boris. I had no idea. I hadn't thought about Boris in years, right? right. But I, I and I didn't know you knew him. him. Yeah, no, and you didn't know I knew him either. But uh, can we have? little groups of people, maybe a panel of 10 or something, from the actual neighborhoods where we're, we're suffering. There's a lot of violence. Because I keep telling people on the morning show and on this show, you have to have law enforcement, because you ain't going to believe what some of these people are going to do if you don't have police around. The uh, Look, it, God bless you. You lived in Wyzetta all your life. Good for you. I'm happy for you on the rest of it. But you have no idea what the hell you're dealing with. You have no clue.
4: Yeah, I have you know, Sheriff Tannock had a, a advisory board, uh citizen advisory board. That is something that I would bring back. Love and, to do it. And, and we need to have that. And I'll tell you, I have, I, there's a guy that I've met that I, I've really enjoyed our 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 friendship that we have now. He he has an iconic photo of him. He's an activist and he, he has an iconic photo of him standing in front of the third precinct with a megaphone as it's burning. And he's you know, riling everybody up, mm-hmm. and and now we we share texts on a regular basis about. He told me his trauma and why he did that. I told him the trauma from law enforcement and why that's unacceptable, and the fact that the third precinct is still standing and as a trophy to the agitators, that's something that needs to be addressed too. But the yep. fact is yep. that now that we have open dialogue, me and this guy when this no knock warrant thing goes down, he can call me at 11 o'clock at night and say, what's your thoughts on it? And I said, Hey, here's what you should focus on and, and not focus on. And we have that relationship and that's how this is going to be fixed. I want to move um, my office to North Minneapolis because I think North Minneapolis has been abandoned and we should have yes. a satellite office in North Minneapolis, right on Broadway in Lindale or wherever you want to put it. But The fact is, I want people on the north side to learn how to have a conceal and carry, how to legally purchase a firearm and have that and and feel not abandoned. And by the fact of having the sheriff of the county being visible in that community, they're not going to be abandoned anymore. You know, if I could jump
1: in, I've got a question for Tom that relates exactly to what you just said. All right. Tom, in 1969, when you were a young kid on, in North Minneapolis, yes. how many of your friends or people you knew had guns?
0: Had guns? Uh, hardly anybody. Oh, there were some. I've had a gun put to my head a couple of times. There were a few, but not very many people.
1: It, 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 back then, I think it was kind of the exception, not the rule, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And, so. and
1: now, 50, 60 years later, it really is the rule, not the exception.
0: Seems to be. It does. Yeah. There is no question. And by the way, I got to point out again, the Jai and I have never met, and it was just a coincidence that he brought up Broadway and Lindale because Merwin Drug on that corner was my mother, was a diner waitress there for decades. So you keep bringing up people
4: I know and places I love. <laughs> I'll tell you that. Well, you know, look at what's happened to that area and that community. Yep. I don't know when the last time you've been over there, but I was just uh, over there a couple, a couple days ago. A couple months ago. ago. Well, interestingly... And uh, I can't
3: go back to the 60s, but I can go back to the 70s. And in 1978, gun ownership was much higher than it is now. In 78? Yep. Really? Yes. 51% of households owned guns. Now it's in the it's in But the that's 30s. across the state, right? That is across the country. Oh, the country.
0: Okay, well, the, mostly a lot of that was in the south,
3: though, Andy. Well, I mean, we can't really uh, say that, unfortunately, because we don't have the You stats. know, and the other
5: thing... The other thing about that, Andy, is that there are so many guns out there that nobody, that almost right. nobody knows about. <clears throat> right. You can just print it out. You know, you can use a three D printer. So, the actual number of guns out there,
3: nobody knows. Well, I would say that ninety percent of the problem weapons out there are illegal guns. So yep. if that makes yeah. sense. No, it's all true. Well, you know what's well, so amazing about
0: that? You're, you have five people talking here, and then people calling in, and we're having a great discussion. Nobody's getting upset. We're learning things from one another. Why can't they do this on television interviews? It, can't, this is a want. wonderful conversation.
1: I'm kind of pissed. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, Doug's very upset in Mexico. Yeah, Okay, whatever. That's just
3: because you're drinking tequila. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
2: I thought, I thought the camera was off.
3: <laughs> we can you hear you, a lot we of can hear the glogging sound. Education
4: as well. Um, yeah, absolutely. We're talking about education and education about what the sheriff's office actually can do and cannot do. It. You know, the sheriff's office is tasked by state law, state statute to handle the water patrol, water safety, the courts and jail. And we need to think outside of the box. So all these folks that want to say we need to reimagine policing, well, here's my way of reimagine policing. We're going to get more Mm -hmm. deputies out there and assisting. And, uh, you know, having a place on the north side, if we can help that area, it's going to help the whole county. This isn't just focusing on Minneapolis, but, you know, you have somebody like Reverend Christopher on the north side, who um, I know is a friend of the show. Like, you know, he's is he is a huge advocate for uh, educating people on uh, straw purchases when it comes to, you know, uh, some of these girlfriends uh, buying guns uh, for for their felon boyfriends. And then they catch a case for it. And uh, it's all education that we need to get down and we need to we need to explain to people how this works.
0: Jayo, you're giving me great memories. There's a church on Logan, just south of uh, Plymouth Avenue. And I got a call from the minister, a woman over there, and asking me, uh, this is a couple years, this is before COVID, so it was a couple years ago. But she asked me if I would come and attend one of their services, because I grew up in that neighborhood. And she wanted me to come over and see, you know, where they've gotten to. So I went over, and I sat through the service. Uh, I was the one of two white people in the entire building and the other guy was a homeless guy that they got off the streets and they were feeding him, right? So I'm sitting there watching the whole thing and it's just beautiful service and great speeches and all the rest of it. And again, reminding you that I was the only white guy in the building other than the homeless guy they were helping. And as the service ended, everybody was standing in the hall. And as I walked out uh, down the hall to the front door, every person, the minister and everybody else, all black people, I'm a white guy, every one of them hugged me and said, I cannot tell you what it means to us that you came and saw our service. A couple of the women were teary-eyed about it. I am sick to death of hearing on national television that that we cannot get along because of our skin color. It's 100% wrong.
4: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, unfortunately, I think when it comes to uh, certain political races... Uh, uh, skin color is going to be the, the front and center issue on it. Yep. And, you know, myself being a person of color, that's not what I want to focus on. Right. I want to focus on how do we help everyone. And I think, Tom, we can acknowledge a history of the criminal justice system sure. being sure. unfair to minorities. However, that doesn't mean we don't hold people accountable today. Because you're victimizing more people now by not keeping people in jail and holding them accountable for the trauma they're spreading across our county.
0: Yeah, and and once again, you're judging someone by their skin color. It's wrong. You shouldn't do that. Uh, I I really wish all these people would think they know all about it because they studied it in college or something. You don't know, you have no idea what it's really like. And you're never gonna know what it's really like because you're not interested in going in and mixing it up with people, learning things. I was very lucky. I I should I gotta be the first guy who grew up in North Minneapolis, said God was I lucky to grow up in North Minneapolis, but <laughs> as far as that's concerned. I mean, Mike Gelfin is on the phone, nice Jewish boy. Uh, there was a, from Penn Avenue to Theaterworth Parkway, it was a Jewish neighborhood. I learned the culture, got to know a lot of people, was treated with great respect by people, standing in front of Desnick Brothers Drugstore on Plymouth and Penn. The the old Jewish men would stand there smoking cigars and go, I they, I, they would look at me and go, hey kid, don't act like a schmuck. I mean, that was their big advice. I am a very lucky man when it comes to that because I think I understand things a lot better than most people do because they never bothered to go out and find out what was going on in the world. I did because I lived in the middle of it. You know, maybe not the most dough in your pocket, but I learned a lot of very valuable lessons, and I'm very grateful for that.
4: Right, and that's what we need to continue to pass on. Officer Dave
3: has called in.
0: Uh-oh, Officer Dave, nothing but trouble. No, I should mention this, Jai. Officer Dave is about 14 feet tall and weighs about 380. So don't piss him off.
2: Yeah. <laughs> it's not that bad, Tom. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, Officer Dave? Jeez. Um, uh, Jai, quick question. I know Dave did a lot to uh, change the culture inside of the county um you know there was a lot of uh nepotism and you're my buddy you're going to get taken care of do you plan on continuing what dave has done as far as you know i talk to the deputies and go through and dave remembers their name out of the 350 of them that are there
4: well here's my challenge i have I have a former sheriff before Sheriff Hutchinson, who was on one side of the spectrum, uh, mm-hmm. and then you have Sheriff yep. Hutchinson on the complete opposite. I'm not either of those yep. guys. Uh, I I will be in the middle, and I will tell you something that Sheriff Hutchinson uh, has done really well is the mental health aspect of his deputies in making sure his deputies have that help, uh, I give him the credit yep. for that. And he, he rightfully deserves that. However, the nepotism yeah, stuff, I, I, if, if if you look at what's going on now, there are some internal issues um, with the nepotism things going on. And uh, I would not continue that. i I would have, I already have people asking me, Hey, can I come over with you? If, if you get elected and i go no because that's not fair to the deputies that have put in their time there and and i've also reached right. out and talked to some some deputies that have left and i said can you tell me can you give me a list of, of uh, employees there who you think are official or unofficial leaders because i want to know who they are and it's going to be important to me because i don't plan on being a career politician so it's going to be important to me that we really focus on a secession plan and make sure we share the knowledge and the information so we can have leaders that can continue to come up. And that's going to come up through the ranks. We're not going to be uh, poaching from other agencies and filling votive spots like what's happening right now. Right. What a great well, hour I that understand, was. I understand
2: that. That's... I, was, I was just concerned that you know it would kind of go back to the infighting and who's going to kiss whose butt the hardest to get the most and and that
4: kind of stuff so i i like you know, to say saying. i'll say this and you know to the deputies deputies that are listening i hope you know just give me a chance uh, what you right. get with me is is somebody that uh, you're not going to have you have a lot of agencies right now going to uh, progressive chiefs that are limiting uh, law enforcement and what you have with me is somebody that will uh, champion for you when you're doing the right stuff and and we need to get back to doing law enforcement to protect our communities I that, love that's it
2: that's cool, you you impressed me and I think you've earned my vote here today so
4: I appreciate well, thank it you. thank you, you sound like a big guy so that might be a fight that I would lose so I, I appreciate <laughs> you saying
2: that <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm only 6'4", 300 pounds. Tom gets it wrong every time. I don't know. <laughs> I get
0: it wrong every time. One of the nicest <laughs> men I know, though, Jai. He is one of the nicest men I know. Jai, I cannot tell you how grateful I am. You, you were on today. you got to come back, man. I, you got my vote for here. Well, you had it anyway, but now you really got it. To take the time to come on this show and tell people what it's really like. I, it's so important, and I really appreciate it. And please do come back, and I want to get you on the KQ Morning Show as well.
4: I would love that. I'll uh, come on any time. And if anybody wants to know more about me or our campaign, it's uh, on social media. It's Jai for sheriff, J-A-I, the number four in the sheriff.
0: Thank you, sir. Have a magnificent day. All right.
4: Thank you, folks. I appreciate it. Thank you. Jai
0: Hansen running for Hennepin County sheriff, ladies and gentlemen. We'll take a break. i will be back with hour two in just about, what, Andy, about five minutes. We can do that. I, I just want to come back a little the second hour. And by the way, that went, what did that go? About 50 minutes
3: uh 54 including ads 54 Mm -hmm. that
0: was a long segment he was terrific no bs he just straight ahead we'll talk about that i want i want to get all all of your takes on this uh this interview and see what you took away from it we'll be right back in about five minutes